Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London News Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head over to www.worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea gear around. Now, what a big week it has been for the Chelsea community listeners. Lampard officially announced his retirement, played Liverpool midweek, turned around, play Arsenal at the end of the week. It is a big emotional roller coaster that we've been on. Uh, but Nick, let's just go ahead and kick this off because you had a buddy that was actually at Stamford Bridge for this match, though, didn't you? I did. My buddy Scott Hutchinson was over um, and he... Uh... He got his tickets, you know, three, four weeks ago and was sitting two or three rows behind Arsene Wenger <laughs> and as, it was just tweeting and Instagramming pictures of Wenger sitting, standing, gesturing. Uh, he said he, it would have been impossible for him to really communicate with the, the bench down below because there was so much noise and he was getting so much uh, flack from the Chelsea fans. So it's pretty awesome. Big shout out to Scott. That's fantastic. I mean, we, we should all give him a round of applause in helping to sabotage the go. communication yeah. from <laughs> Arsenal or Wenger and the bench. Um, uh, they can yeah. let the FA investigate that one then, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll submit it. Dan, any friends that you had over there or just a normal weekend? Just a normal weekend. You know, uh, not not like uh, the man on the inside, on the inside that was uh, keeping tabs on Wenger for, uh, for Nick there. <laughs> Good. We appreciate it, especially repping the U.S. Chelsea fans quite well this weekend. But, you know, after a big match, we love getting a big guest. And nothing short of expectation, listeners, we've got Simon Johnson back for the return leg of the Arsenal fixture. Welcome back, Simon. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Oh, so, so well uh, after this week compared to last time around. But we'll get to that in just a second. Um, Dan, we did have another five-star review in iTunes Store, didn't we? Yeah, we are coming up uh, just close to the century mark in the U.S. iTunes store, so we're at 96 reviews. And uh, thank you to Rob McNew for a little five-star review there, first one of February. So uh, you know, we're at 22 total in the U.K. store, six in Canada. So uh, 
you know, should have some really uh, great stuff to share next week when Brandon does a shout out for anyone who leaves us uh, an iTunes review. Hopefully five stars. Uh, we, we would take four, but uh, really hoping for five. Absolutely. I'll be ready and prepped to read them out. But guys, let's go ahead and start off before we get into the match, really focusing in on a bit of Frank Lampard uh, man crush right now. Obviously, he decided to retire. It sounds like he'd been training at Cobham recently, trying to see if he could come back and just decided that he's going to focus on his coaching badges and probably some more punditry, I'd assume, Nick. Kind of what is one thing that stands out in this guy's amazing career to you, Nick? Um, something that really is special to you. Uh, just to preface this, you know, three Premier League titles, four FA Cups, two League Cups, two Community Shields, a Champions League, a Europa League, and an Intertoto Cup. The guy's got so many appearances, obviously the goal record, and quite an impressive record for England as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a it's almost too much to, to talk about in, in one small segment, so I'm sure we'll get into this kind of as the uh, the rest of the year goes. But um, I, I think just a tremendous leader for the team is my first takeaway. Um, you know, in, in Terry's stead, when, you know, when Terry's suspended or injured, he took over and there was never a drop-off in leadership, which I, I thought was always tremendous. Uh, so if you could say that about a person, I think that, that says a lot. And, you know, I think for my favorite, you know, I will get into some of our favorite moments here, but my favorite moment of his was the penalty against Liverpool in the Champions League semifinal to uh, to send us to Moscow. Um, after losing a, a parent, I, I can't imagine what that emotional toll was on him, and you kind of saw the, uh, the emotion fly out of him after that, but uh, just a tremendous moment for him to step up and make something uh, happen after a, a loss. So, uh, Dan, do you have a favorite Lamps moment? Yeah, that, that was probably going to be it. You know, I, I think you're right. Anytime you, you know, lose a parent or lose someone that close and to come back and have an emotional kind of response in that way. I, you know, I love, I love the fact that, you know, is he, he finished, you know, second Ballon d'Or voting, like, and was, you know, basically a hair away from being, you know, recognized as the best player in the world. And uh, you have to play for Chelsea. And, uh, you know, it was always so cool to see him on stage uh, next to Rolandinho. Like that was so cool. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, for me, the goal, the second goal against um, Bolton, you know, everything he's done, just like the the crucial goals, I guess, always stand out because he was a goal scoring midfielder. But the amount of times that he shows up in the clutch and was like Mr. Reliable, I think that just that level of consistency over such a long time for me is what really, really stands out. Because even this last season, you know, we've seen Hazard be fantastic in 1415, drop down, and now he's showing signs again. Uh, super Frank was always super. Uh, Simon, covering him kind of from a media standpoint, um, wh- I guess, what do you think? Um, I mean, there's, I've got so many uh, memories of Frank. Um, I, I was there at his unveiling um, where, where he talked about how, uh, and this was back at, at Chelsea's old training ground back in Harlington, and he, he commented um, on how there are no uh, bacon sandwiches um, around Chelsea, he was having a, already <laughs> his first dig back at West Ham. Um, clearly, sort of saying that, yeah, the diet at Chelsea is a bit more professional. Um, I spoke to him so many times um, over the years, both with with England and Chelsea. Um, always a class act when it came to handling the media. That's why there was such a outpouring of respect uh, a couple of days ago when when he made his announcement. Um, sometimes. Uh, you could talk to him in more relaxed circumstances, uh, none more so than after the Champions League final where I spoke to him in the mix zone and he was drinking a bottle of beer. Um, uh, he apologised. He said, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, I, I, I need to have a drink. And I said, uh, I said to him, I think you deserve it on this occasion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I was also there at Villa Park when um, when he set the record, the new goal scoring records. And uh I think he's the only player, the only time where I've uh, perhaps been a bit unprofessional in the press box and uh, I stood up and uh, applauded him off the pitch um, because it was such a such an achievement. Um, and if you remember, it was also a victory that was very important as well. It wasn't like a couple of goals that just came in a meaningless match. It was a, a come-from-behind victory against Aston Villa, which helped Chelsea get into the top four that season. So... So many memories. Of course, there's the obvious ones, but there's just a few others to, to throw in there for, for your listeners. 
I mean, how cool is that to really see the beginning of his career all the way to the end? Um, such a such a cool treat for you. So uh, well done, very well done. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and um, take a real quick shout. Uh, we did a contest this week. If you guys missed it, you weren't on Facebook or Twitter because we were posting it everywhere there. Um, but let's see what we went ahead and gave away. Yeah, so we uh, we did this um, quick Brana and Mikel contest, you know, two Chelsea legends who left in the January window, uh, and we wanted to honor them by uh, by giving away a couple of their jerseys. So uh, we had 173 entries into this thing, which was pretty awesome, and uh, two female winners, which is, is awesome as well. So Courtney got the Brana jersey, and Yasmin got the Mikel jersey. Uh, we're psyched about this, uh, and... If you stick around to part three, we may or or may not have another uh, teaser for an upcoming contest uh, featuring uh, Mr. Number Eight, Frank Lampard. So stick around. I'm going to go ahead and spoiler alert that we definitely will. Um, Everyone (laughs) loves seeing Lampard on the back of a Chelsea jersey again. It's been far too long. All right, guys, match review, Arsenal time. This is what we've been waiting for. We're so pumped. This is always one of the most downloaded episodes we have between all three seasons because Arsenal-Chelsea is a massive match. Obviously, it's a Premier League match at Stamford Bridge this past Saturday. Early kickoff again for us over here. But again, playing first, getting that victory, putting pressure on the rest of the teams in the pack. Uh, they did a little bit better this week, Nick, than what they did last week. I guess midweek, technically. Uh, yeah, there was a, uh, a, a ma- I mean, it's a massive weekend for the Premier League. So, you know, anytime you kind of have two of the top four going at it, uh, you know, points are, are precious. And I think that you play Liverpool and Arsenal within five days. There's a ton of pressure on Chelsea, but there's also a ton of pressure on Arsenal and Liverpool to to gain ground. So, you know, the fact that Chelsea were able to take four out of a possible six points here, uh, you know, we'll get into the title implications, but it's just a, a massive, massive achievement for for Chelsea. Dan, lineup wise, um, pretty much Conte sticking with this tried and true. Really, the only formation um, change that we'd usually see, I guess, positional changes between William and Pedro at this point, right? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, you know we saw you know Hazard, Costa, Pedro up top, and you know that's after you know we kind of had news about potentially Hazard kind of working through his injury, um, you know, this past week. You know, we had Alonso, Matic, Conte, Moses, people potentially calling for Cess because of the you know decimation to the midfield of Arsenal. I mean, when you have to play Oxley Chamberlain in the middle field, uh, you know, you probably have a, a bad afternoon coming. And then uh, Cahill, Luis, Aspilicueta, and uh, Courtois rounded our 11. So what you would come to expect from uh, from a Conte starting 11 with the current squad. It is crazy. Um, I don't know if you've seen a lot about this, Simon, but the amount that Arsenal as a club gives to fuel any kind of controversy is unreal. Speaking of the Ox, liking an Arsenal fan TV tweet saying Wenger must go <laughs> and then quickly backpedal and say, I don't know how it happened. Now, to be fair, I have scrolled through my lineup and accidentally favorited one, but I knew it and I unfavored it right away. Yeah, um, the, the perils of social media continues. Um, a number of players uh, seem to fall foul of this. Um, but the timing of this one was particularly bad because uh, the, the Wenger out brigade was certainly out in force on Saturday afternoon after what was a terrible performance, um, a, a title challenge en- uh, ending performance uh, and a terrible week for them. So uh, you, you obviously have to take his word for it. Um but it just seems rather odd that he'd be looking at, at, at that message anyway and, and sort of then somehow mysteriously uh, finding himself uh, agreeing with the sentiment. What I do know about Oxlade-Chamberlain is that he's not particularly happy at Arsenal. Um, he's not happy at the treatment that he's been getting, the the lack of 90 minutes. Uh, that even when he, when he starts a game, he tends to be one of the players taken off. Um, and... Uh, and this will just, uh, whilst it may be perceived as an accident, it will just fuel even more the speculation that uh, perhaps he's going to be on his way out in the summer. He's only got just over a year left on his deal and they haven't even started contract talks with him yet. 
that's pretty classic uh, situation for you know a transfer move to be to be coming up then. Um, but lineup wise, like you said, Arsenal have some injuries. Have uh, El Neni still with the African Cup of Nations? Again, Chelsea are just able to put out their starting lineup week after week, and it is becoming a huge advantage for us, Nick. Not only that, but we we were able to like pick and choose what substitutions we wanted to make. Obviously, bringing William in for pace. Fabregas in to add more possession to Chelsea's game and then even giving Zuma minutes to just get him back up to match sharpness. Yeah. I mean, it's when you're up three nil, it's really easy to pick your spots. Um, and, and even at two nil, the game looked pretty cemented, you know, I, I, they didn't, they didn't really give us anything to worry about in the match. I mean, it was, it was a comprehensive, uh, beating you know you even you look at the possession numbers that they had 58.5 percent of the possession it was useless possession uh, because Chelsea made the most of their opportunities and uh, I just uh, I was so pleased with this you know just to start off this conversation the Arsenal defeat in September made me so mad as I hate them and I I just I can't <laughs> I can't stomach it but uh, I think this was, you know, I think Dan and I both felt really confident after the Liverpool game that we'd come in and smack them, uh, and and the team did that. So very happy about that, very happy about the performance and the intensity that they showed in this match. Um, coming off of a tough Liverpool match, you know, you, you never know how some of these players are going to show up, but it was it was comprehensive in every way. So let's go ahead and dive into this a little bit. I would encourage you listeners, we were talking about this before the podcast, to go back and listen to the previous Arsenal episode that we had with Simon and everyone, <laughs> just to compare how much has changed. We had just come off two losses. I'm, you know, eighth place, probably wondering, like, is this whole Conte project really going to work out? Man, Dan, what a crazy change of events it's been. What seems to be the biggest change to you? Probably our position at the table. <laughs> well, last time I wasn't even here, I, I basically took a ship out of the country, so I didn't have to deal with <laughs> Arsenal fans and watching watching a happy Claude and Ty and Robbie on on Arsenal fan TV because that would just been uh, been absolute torture. Uh, I think you know the formation change you know is going to go back to being one of the you know biggest things we look back upon at the end of the season as what has propelled us forward. But I think beyond that, it's you know, the belief in players, it's, you know, contesting every single ball. I think, you know, N'Golo Conte now versus N'Golo Conte at the start of the season uh, looks so slotted into that central midfield. Uh, and then you know, I would say Pedro is one of the other kind of surprise, you know, just continue to how he's grown this season. Uh, you know, Hazard, obviously, brilliant goal. Uh, Costa involved in so many goals this season, assists and goals. But, you know, I think Pedro is kind of you know slowly becoming that unsung hero for the the entirety of the season and just what he's done. Uh, Simon, I guess over to you. Biggest kind of surprise or change? Um, I mean, you've already touched on a few there, really. Uh, I mean, I suppose one one of them that 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 is now he's he's only now sort of really getting the credit he deserves in 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 England is uh, David Louise. Uh, when when he was brought back. Uh, by Chelsea in late August. Chelsea had been after a number of centre-halves um, and failed with, with all their with all of them. Uh, and David Luiz seemed to be very much a panic buy. Uh, of course, there was a reason Chelsea sold him in the first place, not just because of the, the ridiculous offer from PSG, but they, they paid £34 million for him. And he is now one of the best defenders in the country. Um and, and he's arguably in sort of player of the year kind of form. Um, you look at sort of like, yes, he's semi-protected in this three at the back formation with the Gary Cahill and Cesar Azpilicueta. You could argue Azpilicueta is another one who, whilst he performs consistently in a Chelsea shirt week in, week out anyway, his form in the back three has been amazing. But with those two, either side of David Luiz, he's taken his game onto another level and, and shown that he, I remember Conte saying he can become a world-class defender and, and everyone laughed. Um, no one's laughing now. Um, he's been absolutely superb week in, week out. And, and, and remember that since Sergio Aguero's um, WWF uh, challenge um, back in uh, early December, that, that Louise has been struggling with a knee injury as well. And yet he's been, been pl- playing in every game. So 
a big shout out to David Louise, I'd say. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Nick, there's not much left. What do you got? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like the, the everything uh, pizza. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would look at the performance that N'Golo Conte has put in this season as just nothing short of remarkable. I mean, especially when you consider the last two games where he has been all over. And there's that famous tweet now. Someone photoshopped him like hugging the world and it says it's all right lads i've got this uh that's how that's how it feels i mean it's it, he, he is he is tremendous and then you watch leicester city play today and you realize like even more how much he's worth um for for our team so you know it's just uh i, I remember him in the previous arsenal game looking a little lost like he was trying to chase everybody on the pitch he has a very very good idea of what he's supposed to be doing now and and it's just been tremendous there's another good Arsenal link added to the list of players that Wenger almost signed, but <laughs> unfortunately couldn't get the deal across the line. Uh, for me, I absolutely love the consistency that Conte has brought, and he's always said the same thing every week. He's like, we're going to work one game at a time. We're going to do what we're going to do. We're going to play the way we know how to play, and we're going to be successful with it. I tell you what, just having that consistency, not changing and kind of panicking or anything, uh, and getting everyone to buy into this system has been fin- fantastic, especially, again, he's new to the Premier League. He was doing national team managing before this. So, you know, what, once every month or two, he's got players in into camp, but he's came in and just hit the ground running. So uh, I guess he's pretty much just the bow on top of everything else of all the players uh, doing the hard work. Let us know what you guys think if we missed anything. Again, this is a this is a fully loaded pizza we got here. There's not much left, but go ahead and tweet at us at London Blue Pod or email us as well. So goal time, guys. 13th minute, Marcus Alonso opens up the scoring with a KO header, literally as Bellerin landed hard from that aerial challenge. I cringed when I saw that. I've been un, you know hit and land like that. It sucks. But more importantly, I guess there's a lot of discussion whether this was a foul or not, Simon. After the match, Conte said, in England, I don't know why you're asking me this question. He's like, this happens all the time. This is not a foul. Now, Italy, Spain, we can talk about that because then it's up for discussion, but not in England. What I mean, what was your take on it? My take on it was that it, it was kind of, uh, and we'll get onto the Hazard goal, I'm sure, as well, but... I think both those goals summed up the difference between the two teams in that one team wanted it more than the other. And when that ball went up in the air, uh, Alonso had the the, uh, the the running start, as it were. Bellerin was a bit more underneath the ball. I think that, that made a difference. But I think it all came down to hunger and desire. And uh, yes, there you know there is a bit of contact with his, well, quite a bit of contact with Bellerin's face. But I think it's... I think he went for the ball, he got the ball, and he simply outjumped Bellerin. And uh, what followed after was, was unfortunate. It was it was accident. And, of course, his landing didn't help either, which perhaps contributed to why he felt a bit concussed. But I think Chelsea landed the knockout blow. And, uh, and unfortunately, it, uh, it just shows that Arsenal don't quite have the stomach for the fight, in my opinion. I, I did enjoy the, uh, the fact that... Terry Henry came out and said it wasn't a foul. And, you know, I had mentioned that it wasn't a foul on Twitter. And then some, like an Arsenal fan was like, oh, yeah, it was a foul. I'm like, well, Terry Henry did. And he's like, yeah, he was a great player for us, but he's a horrible pundit. <laughs> That's I, probably I, a bit harsh. I mean, I there, think Terry yeah. does a good job. There, there's one photo that really cements this, and it's the moment that Alonzo's heading the ball and where they are positionally. Mm-hmm. And people are saying that he jumped out. It was like he jumped out with his fist out and, and knocked Bellerin clear. It wasn't that at all. His arm is actually on his shoulder when he's heading the ball, which is a natural way to jump. You have to use your arms to get momentum. Uh, this is this was not uh, – and, and by the way, on the concussion thing, which was, you know I'm glad the protocol actually worked this time instead of a couple of weeks ago uh, against Hull where it might not have. Uh, I think the the difference was this game that you never worry about the first hit. You always worry about the head hitting the ground after. That's I mean that's kind of the uh, the thing in the NFL is getting getting hit really hard is one thing. Your head snapping back and hitting the ground after is the thing that almost always gives you the concussion like symptoms. So you felt bad when you saw him kind of land flat on his back because there's no way to brace your your neck uh, to to keep your head off the ground. 
you feel bad for him, but it certainly wasn't a foul in the way that Arsenal fan TV made it out to be. Uh, it was certainly effort play, like Simon said, and that, and that made uh, all the difference. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the Gabriel arm swing to Hazard's face later in the match that we will probably no skip foul. over. Fake no. news. All right. Hey, 53rd minute after the halftime break, uh, you know, Wenger got to go in, was escorted, talked to the team, given that big pump-up speech after half, you know, during halftime before he took his seat next to Nick's buddy for the second <laughs> half. And 53rd minute, the Hazard we all dream about seeing went on a dazzling run, taking on at least three Arsenal defenders, given Coquelin the shake-off, and then he finished past check. Uh, Nick, thoughts on seeing another moment of brilliance from Hazard? And we'll, we'll get into more of the Hazard discussion later, so don't worry about this. We're talking about the goal. The goal was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was uh, – he was the only person. There were six Arsenal defenders who could have made a challenge on him or a tackle on him. One tried. The other one got shaken out of his skull. Uh, and then the, the call that um, the NBC guys made over here after the match was actually really good. Uh, Kyle Martino said that the way that Hazard hit the ball into the ground actually gave it some of that uh, backspin to get over check, uh, which is a really interesting technique, something that I don't know if I've seen a ton uh, from Hazard. So uh, just an incredible solo effort. Um, there wasn't another Chelsea player in the frame for most of that run. And, uh, Dan, I'm I'm damn glad to see the uh, the passion kind of get back into his uh, his goal. Yeah, it took a little knock from Mustafi early in the game, and uh, that seemed to clear him up of any uh, issue or problem for the remainder of the match. <laughs> after that point, he was just making dazzling run after dazzling run, and uh, I can't wait for uh, the animations and the the highlight reels and every you know meme that will become of uh, of this. Uh, Spinning, uh, spinning top move Cochlin did to uh, try and retain hold of Hazard. Cochlin outweighs him by 25 pounds, too. Well, Hazard is really fast. Uh, you know, Simon, I think the big thing that everyone kind of thought, and except the Arsenal players, was take him for the team, take him down 30 yards ago. Like Modic did that in the match, too. Like you stop the counterattack before it happens, especially when it's Hazard, and just no one from Arsenal thought to do that. No, they were just in panic mode. I mean, I suppose the only one that, that really could have done it was Cochrane. But I think what, what is underestimated is that Eden Hazard uh, certainly piled on the uh, piled on the muscle in pre-season. He's, he's a lot stronger. Um, Conte sort of has set aside um, some, some strict sort of um, physical work. So I think we saw the benefit of that. Um, what what uh, he uh, told... Um, the papers, which uh, you guys will, will read, I'm sure, or will have read, is that uh, he, he says, I like getting kicked, um, referring to Mustafi's challenge. He goes, I like it. It, it, it. He basically sort of says, I prefer it when I'm getting fouled. It, it, it then sort of makes him come alive. Um, and he kind of joked that when he's not kicked and left alone, uh, he doesn't play as well, um, and it and it certainly looked like the case on on Saturday when, like uh, like you pointed out, that Mustafi, from that moment onwards, it's like he got angry, and he took out his anger on Arsenal, and uh, for 50 minutes there he was uh, untouchable, um, and and sort of just showed what a great player he can be, and and but I, I should hasten to to add that this was his first sort of. Uh, sighting of hazards at his best for a few weeks, but he has been carrying a, a bit of a hamstring injury. So um, it, it was good to see Hazard in full flow again because he's the kind of player that gets every football fan, Chelsea or not, out of their seats. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Obviously, we saw hampered Hazard last year, same issue, carrying that knock, that injury through the Champions League and everything, and wasn't what we had hoped. Um, but hopefully, you know, a few days rest uh, really helped him come out ready to go today. Um, 85th minute, Dan, a double dose of a kick to the nuts for Arsenal's former <laughs> blue Petr Cech, very uncharacteristically lobs the pass to the middle of the field, right to former Gooner, Cesc Fabregas, who very characteristically lobs a shot right back into the net. It didn't even bounce before it hit the net, Dan. I mean, this thing was, well, it's pinpoint accurate, which is exactly what Cesc does. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, it's kind of like what happens in FIFA when like you accidentally hit the the pass button and instead of like the you know lobbing the ball out, you know, clearing it as the keeper, and then someone gets it and they're like, oh, I'm just gonna hit the uh, the L1 triangle here and just pop it in as a little lob, and this <laughs> is so perfect. I mean, Arsenal's Twitter account couldn't even mention that Fabregas actually scored the goal. Like every other goal, they mention who scored it. They don't even bring up the name. It's like it's banished from the record. It's like he's Lord Voldemort or something. And, uh, you know, credit to Fabregas did not celebrate the goal, uh, clearly showing more class than uh, some of the fans for the team he used to play for. They're, they're clowns, man. I, the, the, one of the, the tweets that we saw from Dan Levine, and I'm sure Simon can comment on this as well, is the treatment of the former players by, by both sets of fans. And uh, whereas uh, Petr Cech was applauded off the pitch and, uh, you know, applauded the fans pregame, uh, Cesc Fabregas was still booed, still booed. I mean, it's been two plus years on, uh, still haven't got over it. So uh, the only other comment I will add to this is that I, I struggle to make that lob shot in FIFA. I really do. <laughs> I, I, it was, I really struggle like to, to get the perfect amount of lift. It hit the back of the net. It actually hit a camera. Um, and, and that's why it popped out so quickly, but it was just a tremendous play. I mean, uh, there's no other way to say it, Simon. Yeah. Um, I actually think, uh, says Fabregas, despite not being a regular season is, is, is having a, a great season fun enough with his, uh, cameo roles and, and, and odd starts weighing in with uh, assists um, particularly, but it was a very cool finish. Um, I think it's kind of been a bit um, underestimated because of the nature of the, the mistake, but very cool. And, and the fact that it landed right on the TV camera behind the goal, um, it, it, I don't know if you, you guys have seen the super slow-mo, it actually shows the ball uh, drifting towards the camera and then hitting it and bouncing away. It's uh, It's kind of cool, but... Referring to the Arsenal fans, they were actually chanting uh, when Cesc was warming up. The, um, let's, uh, I'm just trying to put this in the most polite way uh, possible. Um, <laughs> they were chanting, even Chelsea think you're not very good, is my... Uh, <laughs> but you can imagine what the, the swear word was. Yeah, um, you, you can say didn't. it on this show, you're fine. <laughs> uh, they, they, said, they were singing, even Chelsea think you're shit, you know, and... Um, and uh, conversely, um, like you're saying, uh, Petr Cech is, uh, is always given a, and rightly so, a great reception at Stamford Bridge. I, I also think, bring it back to Frank Lampard. I mean, what a, what a reception he had in that game uh, yet he had Stadium uh, from the Chelsea fans that were there. And then he went and scored, obviously, the equaliser and, and, uh, and still got a great reception at the end. I think, I think uh, Chelsea had quite, you know, you could argue Chelsea fans could have been upset that he ended up at Man City for a spell there, but Far from it, Chelsea fans seem to have great respect for their for their heroes, and um, whereas Arsenal seem to be uh, living in the past with Cesc Fabregas, who at the end of the day, all he did was leave for Barcelona, the, the home his his first club that he always wanted to play for. They had the option to buy him back, and they refused. So I, I'm not quite sure um, why Cesc Fabregas is so hated there. It's definitely a one way street. He is very um, affectionate still towards the club and says that, but. You know, let's just go ahead and move on to the 91st minute. The perfect result was lost when Giroud found a lot of space at the top of the six-yard box, and he didn't miss from close range. He's been on pretty good form as well, even in a sub role. It seemed like Chelsea had almost turned off a little bit at this point, Nick. Uh, Luconde asked on Facebook, he said, not to take any credit away from the win, but do you guys think we relaxed a bit towards the end? He thought that we somehow lost some cohesion at the end of that match, and that's pretty much a gifted Arsenal the goal. I agree with that, but, I mean, that's the – beauty of being three nil up i'm sure conte wasn't pleased uh with that defending um and i'm sure he let him know that after the game uh clean sheets are almost everything to him and when you have a three nil comprehensive uh result that's a minute or two away from being clinched it it does uh kind of suck to give up a, a cheap goal like that but um it's also you know i how hard can you be on on this team right now you know let's it it wasn't a great moment, but you know, I, I just I struggle to to give him a whole lot of flack um for for kind of letting up at the end. 
Well, uh, Conte answered that question pretty directly at the end, talking about complacency and how he's lost three Champions League finals. He's not going to let this team fade away, Dan. He's been very adamant that complacency with this squad will not be an issue. Yeah, and you know, you think that uh, for all the you know, it's not Vine anymore; it's Twitter video um, <laughs> that, that uh, people saw of Zuma uh, breaking Nacho Monreal's uh, ankles as he bypassed them was uh, a little, a uh, little bit of the culprit for you know the amount of space that Giroud got on that uh, on that attack. So uh, clearly, I see why you're not seeing you know Zuma, you know, kind of challenging for first team right now, still getting some of that tactical uh, acumen built up. But uh, you know, again, uh, great results. Like I think the only thing we have to do is be super happy that we we thrashed Arsenal, we cemented our, our you know our spot in a top place, and right now most you know kind of you know statistical analysis is putting us at like ninety. Uh, 92% range to uh, win the league at present point. It's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. We've essentially locked up top four, right? I mean, I think it was like a 0.8% of a chance that you end up in fifth, but it's basically like not non-existent. We only have two more top six teams to play this season. So and then we have city at home, uh, which will be really interesting, but uh, that, that in and of itself kind of says the what you need to know for the rest of the year is, is we'll be playing mid to low, uh, lower table teams through May. Well, I mean, as we know, mid table teams, cool, nothing really to fight for. The lower teams, the bottom six, what a cluster that is! But well, let's touch on that a little bit later. Uh, normally, listeners, this is when we uh, wrap up part one and head to your questions. But it's Arsenal. We haven't even gotten to our questions yet. So first off. We heard in midweek, along with Louise, that Hazard was carrying this injury hamstring. Thank you for Simon giving us the inside scoop. And that's probably why he struggled against Liverpool earlier in the week. Uh, Thankfully, a couple days rest and plenty of treatment, Dan. He looked sharp. Uh, He was 10 for 10 in take-ons. Two chances created, 80% passing, and was named man of the match by the Premier League. What did you think was the strongest part of his game today? I think you mentioned 10 for 10 on take-ons. Like, that is, that is just stupid high for a single player to accumulate in a match. And the way after, again, I'll go back to the Mustafi uh, knock. It was essentially like a power-up, like picking up a power-up in a video game, and it just changed the way that he played for the remainder of that match. Uh, really, really just impressive match from him from that point forward. Uh, I think for the whole team from that point forward. Nick, coming to you, we know that um, you and Hazard have a hot-cold relationship. He's still the number one-rated player by Squawka uh, as far as the entire season goes. He's got a slim lead over Alexis Sanchez, but compared to midfielders, he's miles ahead of everyone else. I'm assuming you're thrilled with his performance today, but maybe still have some questions about his consistency? Fair assessment, yeah. I mean, he was tremendous. I, I will say that. Uh, we also said after the Liverpool game that he was completely absent and, and we were right there as well. So, uh, you know, you don't have to always be one thing or be another thing. You can always find middle ground. Uh, I, what I I think our main question was last week, you know, for those who are uh, consistent listeners of the show would be, you know, when he gets kicked around, you know, he, he does kind of go into hiding sometimes. And it's really interesting to hear that quote from Simon that he likes it because, uh, his actions and attitudes on the pitch don't always reflect that. So uh, I was very impressed with his performance today. We needed him to show up in a big way, in a big match. It's been a while since he's done that for us, uh, and, and he did. I mean, I think the last big match he you know, really showed up in was, was City away. So um, I, was, I was very pleased with his performance and just hope that he you know, at, least, at least keeps a consistent level throughout the end of the year, not so many highs and lows. Simon, anything to add, especially since you got to speak to the man of the match uh, after after the Arsenal game? Um, what I would say with Eden is uh, he, he uh, and I'm sure I said this back in September, was he, he is a laid back guy. And, and that on one hand, that's to his credit. He, he He's the first thing he wanted to do. The only thing he wanted to do, he told me, was um, I want to go and uh, uh, be with my wife and kids. Um he wasn't so fast about seeing his goal again and again and, and going out and having a party. He, he, 
he wants to go back and be with his family. And and I think on one hand, that's to his credit. On the other hand, it, it also gives you an insight into why he perhaps isn't um, the player that perhaps he could be um, in that um, he, his hunger and desire to his ruthlessness um, tends to go missing. He's such a laid back character um, that, yeah, he, he, he struggles to be consistent. I, I always get the feeling there is more to come from him, but and that's and that's asking uh, him to perform. He's very consistent anyway, but you just think there's always something more he could do. Um, as for his performance at Liverpool, whilst he he was below par, one thing I would say about him was that he was working for the team. Um, whilst his individual game wasn't its best. He was tracking back. It was his tackle, um, if you remember, for Firmino's chance. Um, it was his tackle on the edge of the box, which unfortunately broke perfectly for Firmino. But the fact that Edin Hazard was there to do a last-ditch tackle, I think uh, sort of summed up that whilst his own game wasn't going the way he wanted to, he was still sort of trying his best in a defensive way to help the team. And, and watching the game, being there at Anfield, you could really see how hard he was working even though all these little touches weren't coming off. But I just think, Chelsea fans, it's time to sort of perhaps come to the reality that he'll never be a Ronaldo and a Messi and perhaps stop judging, stop comparing him to those two who are, let's be honest, two of the greatest players has ever been and just accept him for what he is, that occasionally he will be a bit below his best, but on the whole, he's still one of the best players on the planet. Well, to reinforce this point, Simon, uh, I think that's a really good show, a show you're very familiar with, uh, Talk Sports, The Sports Bar with Jason and Andy. I listen to them all the time uh, when I leave work. It's like the perfect time for me on the bus. And they were kind of talking about this. He'll get you one, but he won't get you two, three, and four goals like some of those Ronaldos and Messi, you know, some of those guys uh, will get you. Um, but he's still going to give you a lot as he goes forward. A question for you, Simon, specifically, is Hazard has played in 23 of the 24 Premier League matches. He's got just under 2,000 minutes played, but he's only finished seven of the 23 matches. Conte loves loves subbing him off. Do you have any idea why? Uh, I think that would be mostly protecting uh, one of his um, two, I'd say. I mean, you could argue there's so many uh, special players in that team. But you could argue that without Hazard and Costa, uh, Chelsea would struggle. Um, and like I've said already, that Hazard's already picked up a, a knock. I think he's someone that he is the most fouled player in the Premier League. And I just think it's very much a protective policy of a, of a player that he, can, he can't afford to, to be without. Also, I think it's... Possibly because Chelsea wrapped up a lot of games as well, so he can afford to bring him off. Why, why, why risk playing him for the full ninety? Well, a luxury is much better than uh, in case of a lack of form. All right. Well, let's go ahead and keep moving on. Question number two is: After not playing in the first five matches, Marco Alonso has played close to ninety minutes every single match since then. Conte seems to love him. Chelsea fans on Twitter. They're not as in love with him, um, especially when Nathan Ake returned. Dan, where do you stand on Alonso compared to other left backs of the top four, five, six teams? Well, I think it's like one of those games, like, would you rather, you know, would you rather have Marcus Alonso playing left back or in the left wing back position versus like, you know, James Milner? Would you rather have him playing there versus Gail Clichy? Like, there's just a lot of uh, subpar performances out there from some people playing, you know, a left uh, left center back or left kind of wing back positions in their squads. And I think he adds a, a dynamism on the wow. side. Yeah. <laughs> an explosive dynamism, an explosiveness on the side there. Um, no, it's just, you know, just too much crossing. He crosses too much. It gets me crossed. Um, he is able to play for, I think, you know, that he, has to pick up slack sometimes for Hazard on the side, you know, and I, I think because Hazard will flex into a center role, and you look at what happened in this match, Pedro and uh, Hazard were further forward than Costa was for the majority of the match, and Alonso was actually the most forward of any player positionally on our team, which means that he also has to, for defensive work, 
track back further than any other player on our team. So you know, I think Moses and Alonzo have received both you know equal amounts of criticism you know, through the season. But I, you know, I, right now, I, I can't think of anything other than this being a fantastic signing. Well, I guess, you know, to kind of compare it from like a defensive score per 90 stats, you know, he's only behind Kyle Walker. He's ahead of Nacho Monreal. James Miller actually has a negative defensive score. So that tells you how that's going. And then Gail Clichy uh, at Man City, um, he's got more goals scored than pretty much all of them. He's not as many tackles one, and he has quite a few interceptions. But Nick, overall, he's got four goals scored on the season, 18 chances created, and he's average pass accuracy, 75%, winning about half of his duels. Do you think that he's like cutting it at Chelsea? Like, are, are people too harsh to him? I mean, where where do you stand on the Alonso debate? Uh, I, I think he is just due to the nature of all of the performers this year, and, and you look at every position, you kind of know who's going to be playing week in, week out. I think he's stepped up this year. Um, I think he's improving, but you look at him and occasionally Gary Cahill as two of the weaker links in the team. And unfortunately they play on the same side of the defense and you've seen them targeted multiple times uh, by kind of the top six teams uh, on that side. So I'm not saying he's terrible. I know that we've had, uh, had it out with uh, Marv on Twitter, you know, kind of who is a, a, a mass defender of, of Mark Alonso. Um, but he does, he goes through lulls. He goes through periods where he's brilliant and, you know, it's everywhere and making just great crosses. And then you look to that side on the defensive side and he, he's not always there. So, uh, you know, I, he's, he's up and down for me, but was certainly good in this game. I mean, before I pass over to you, Simon, I personally think that he's a very solid performer for us. Uh, again, he's a left wing back defense first, then offense going forward. And thankfully, with like our front three clicking and even getting some help from Modic and Conte, they haven't had to do too much. And I think naturally, Moses is a more attacking player and a little more flashy in the offensive third than Alonzo. But, you know, he's got that side locked down with Cahill covering for when Hazard is on one and is venturing forward a lot. You know, I guess for me, I'm kind of in the middle there. We're saying he's doing plenty. He's, you know, he's not really hurting us. He's had a couple dips, but for the most part, his performances have, have been, you know, consistent and solid for us. Uh, obviously, Simon, you know, I'll let you kind of speak to what you feel about that. Uh, I, I think with, with Marcus Alonso, there's there's a degree of um, the, the size of the transfer fee uh, to begin with. Um, there's a lot of money to pay for someone that's um, not exactly had the greatest career. Of course, people sort of think back to his days at Bolton and Sunderland. Um he, uh, of course, you also think back to the kind of players that have played at left back for Chelsea in the past. Obviously, one of the best left backs ever in Ashley Cole. But um, you, you think to the players that Chelsea have let go recently, including their own Ryan Bertrand. Um, would he be uh, doing better than Marcus Alonso right now? I think, I think, given my knowledge of Ryan and watching him play for Southampton, I think he would be. He would have been a, a great asset to, to Chelsea in this role, but you have to give Alonso credit. He's another one that's been carrying an injury since pretty much the day he joined. Uh, he, he's been sort of having a little uh, problem in his leg, but he, he keeps playing week in, week out. And he's weighing in those four goals, um, the one against Arsenal and two against Leicester in particular, uh, a massive. Um, and he could argue repaid the transfer fee in itself. And and he can only get better in this system. Um, but what I would say is that the return Nathan Aki was um, in view of providing genuine uh, backup stroke competition for Alonso. And also Chelsea will probably be looking at another wing back in the summer. So his position in the team is by no means guaranteed, even if he goes on to win a, a Premier League medal this season. You know, for me, either way, uh, Moses was a, a bit of a lucky find to play right wing back. Um, you know, I'm assuming Conte expected Dave to be moving there in the long run, but we haven't needed to. You know, but Alonso really has allowed us that flexibility to play the three, uh, the three four three that has gotten us to where we are. So, is he the best ever? No, but I think he's still been really key to Chelsea's success this season. Um, time to just 
get excited for this next question. How good is Chelsea's defense? This is what I'm talking about, guys. Apparently, when Conte talked to David Luiz about joining, Conte told him that he'd make him the best in the world. How's he doing, Dan? It's <laughs> uh, you know the less of a sideshow, a sideshow, and more of a uh, star at this point. You know, he's uh, he's helping to uh, to run and organize the circus versus uh, being a member of it. <laughs> And uh, it's it's been fun to watch. I mean, the the forward playing passes. Um, you know, he's not uh, not at the Benucci level yet with some of those connections that he's making. But you can definitely see, you know, the model of what Conte did at Juventus and trying to have that central uh, center back really help play out of the back, get those long balls forward, make kind of extreme connections, and just allow for really quick counterattacks uh, is starting to come alive. And uh, there's plenty of obviously stats and data to back up uh, the feels when it gets to David Louise and how we feel about, you know, just him as a, a you know, a future uh, and present club legend. Um, but also the, you know, the other elements, uh, Courtois uh, from a, a goalkeeper union perspective, Brandon has been pretty, <laughs> uh, pretty flipping amazing too. Yeah, I mean, if we want to go down that route already, I'm kind of surprised. But um, Courtois has 13 clean sheets, uh, which at this point puts him just at the top by a long shot. Um, you know, Tottenham have nine in second, De Gea at United eight, and then Fraser Forster eight with Southampton. Um, the good news, like on a big picture, is you know, his goals against average again is number one. He is tied with Lloris at 0.71 and his save percentage. Um, he's not even, or he's at 0.71%. So he's not in the top four, but most importantly, Nick, we're not allowing shots. Like Chelsea are conceding the third least amount of shots in the entire league. Only city and Liverpool are, are giving up less. And that's because of city. No one out of every two shots go in. They literally can't afford to give up a shot. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think the, uh, the point you make here is that no matter who we're playing, I mean, it takes a special effort to get to the back line. First of all, if you're uh, an opposing uh, offense, but it takes a, an even more special effort to put a, a shot on goal and then, you know, something really special to beat Courtois. So you're looking at, you know, different levels of defense. You're looking at N'Golo Conte, who, you know, for better or for worse is kind of a part of that group as well who's just making sure that nothing even gets to them in the first place. It's hard, man. I, I would not want to be an opposing coach and, and have to game plan your attackers to, to go and break this defense down right now. You know, as you look, Simon, all the top four teams have the top, you know, four rated defenses. It's obviously a huge key to anyone winning the Premier League. Um, but the fact that we're playing a three back set slash five slash seven at times, uh, even getting our, our, you know, attacking three back to defend. We've seen Costa. He's really good at set pieces. I mean, Conte has really built this team from the back. It's a little cliche, but it's, it's very, very, I think, true in this case more than others. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if we go back to um, last, after the last Arsenal game, um, before the, obviously the payback on, on Saturday is that, Conte was so angry about the kind of goals Chelsea were conceding. It was uh, two goals against Bristol Rovers, even uh, two goals against Swansea, two goals against Liverpool, three against Arsenal. You, you don't win trophies with the defensive record like that. Um, and going to this three at the back has completely uh, re- re- revolutionised Chelsea's season because, of course, you have the you have the the protection of Kante and, and Matic in the middle of the pitch. Kante. He's effectively uh, counts as two players because he, he covers so much ground. Then you've got the wing backs. Then you've got uh, Pedro Stroke William on one side, on the other, willing to trap back. Um, and then, like you say, Costa coming back to help out set pieces. It's a it's a it's a great organised group of players that all know their roles on the pitch. And of course, we shouldn't underestimate the fact that without Champions League football. So he's getting them on the training field and he's working on it. The one thing I would say, the one caveat uh, I'd say about Chelsea defensively is they do seem to have a weakness from crosses, which teams have uh, in recent weeks started to expose. If you think back to uh, the Tottenham defeat, uh, two crosses from the right-hand side, 
and Deli Ali is there between us, Pilaqueta and, and Moses at the back post. You think back to the goal against Liverpool. Um, it was a cross from the right-hand side that found Milner in acres of space on the left flank. He then crossed for Wijnaldum to score. Even against Arsenal, think of the, the cross to um, Gabriel in the first half from the right-hand side, free header. He should have buried that chance, but he actually headed it straight at Courtois. Uh, Danny Welbeck in the second half, a cross from the right-hand side. Another free header, great save by Courtois. So, whilst their defensive record is obviously impressive, I still think that Conte thinks there's a lot to work on. And, of course, they did end up conceding a goal from a cross, albeit from the left-hand side. Um, I just think in the air is the opponent's or best hope or the little chink of light that Chelsea is showing everyone that that's the only way they can be beaten. Yeah, I, that's definitely uh, something that, you know, from a, from a holistic view is is something that they've, they've been a little bit difficult with. Uh, shout out to Abion underscore T uh, for giving us that question about uh, spending some time talking about the defense. You know, thankfully up to now, it has been rock solid post Arsenal match away. So uh, that pretty much covers everything that we've got for this match. Uh, if we missed anything again, email us, add us on Twitter, hit us up. Uh, it's now Nick's favorite time of the show to talk about his man of the match poll. Yep. Here we go again. Um, yeah. So the four options this week, 286 votes on Twitter. Four options were Hazard, Conte, Courtois, and Dave. Uh, poor Dave only got 1% of the vote. Um, I, Hazard won this going away. So there's, you know, that was pretty clear. Did get a lot of flack for not putting Alonzo in there. Um, Matic apparently uh, was in there yeah. as well. I, I still think Czech should have gotten a nod for the, the assists. I really do. <laughs> I, I can't do that. It's a, a good old petter. So, um, yeah, no, I. Uh, uh, even though I missed a couple, I think that, you know, there wasn't really any doubt, you know, Conte and Hazard were, were the two that really stood out to me in this match and uh, were the top two in our pool. Yeah, this is uh, a very much a runaway. Just, I'm telling you, man, one option, just cut your losses. Just put one name. Well, then I get a hundred tweets with every other name that I missed. By only the thing is, one. he could have put, put like nine or 10 other names in that poll and Hazard would have still beaten all of them to the end. So, right. Um, anything else that we've missed on this match that maybe you guys want to touch on? Dan, we'll start with you. Uh, no, I think it was a comprehensive match. I think it shows just how much things have changed. And uh, I think the only thing that I saw was uh, like a, someone had memed a photo of Gunasaurus Rex uh, saying survived extinction to, to watch this. And uh, he was doing his down face like he was so sad. And you know, it made, made me for a moment feel a little bit of sadness. Uh, and then I was... Uh, returned to, to joy by watching the hazard uh, goal again on loop for about, you know, two minutes straight. Absolutely. Uh, Nick, anything from you that you want to touch on that we missed? I was managing our Twitter account yesterday as I normally do. And it was my favorite day that I've ever managed our Twitter account. There was so much quality banter going on. It was, it was fantastic. Um, between agent check, uh, the Will Ferrell memes that were going around, uh, <laughs> Like the the gifts from the match, you know, Hazard just completely stopping in his tracks to let uh, Mustafi slide by him. Uh, you know, it was just it was incredible. So many witty people out there who are contributing to our our little community. So just a, a round of applause to you guys. Everyone brings their A game for the Arsenal match every single time. Uh, Simon, obviously, um, you were there, got to take it all in and, and enjoy the mix zone afterwards. Um, what else? Uh, I'm going to give you a little anecdote that, in, in a way, uh, it's got nothing to do with the game, actually. But it just shows that uh, that, that Chelsea, um, um, as a club, uh, they get a lot of stick for for some of the negative things that goes on that you, you guys read about. But uh Basically, there's a there's a club employee uh, who works in the uh, the media with with us. The media helps us out with their accreditation and so on. Um, so before the game, um, it was uh, we were all called into the press room because uh, next week or next weekend, of course, Chelsea at, at Burnley. Um, so they thought they'd commemorate her fortieth anniversary of working for the club um, in a special way and. Uh, 
So she was given a, a presentation. The chairman, Bruce Buck, came down. And uh, we were then told that uh, she's in that time. Her name's Teresa Keneally, I should taste to add. Uh, in that time, she's only missed four games. Wow. In 40 <sighs> years. It's something like 27 managers as well <laughs> that, that, she, that she's seen off. Um, so um, it, it, it was... Uh, Obviously, the media, we're also given a bad rap for, you know, some of the stuff we write and the stories we write. But so we're all, we're all giving her a round of applause because without people like that, we wouldn't be able to do our job. And it just gave, uh, before the game even kicked off, um, it, it just gave the day a nice, uh, it was a nice start. And it was um, obviously Chelsea then went out and paid uh, her a, a great tribute as well by going out and winning rather convincingly. Awesome. I love it. I love everything about it. Um so much happier recording this one than the the first picture of this matchup. Uh, you guys go ahead, interact with us. Let us know what you thought about the game. Um, we've talked to you guys a lot on Twitter, on Facebook. It's been great. Uh, let's keep it going. Um, we're actually going to wrap up this one, and we're going to split it into two parts. So midweek, we're going to give you your social media questions and the Burnley preview. Make sure to check it out. Uh, but until then, guys, it's a wrap. It's Arsenal, three points at home. Now nine points at the top of the lead. The table stands Chelsea 59 points, Spurs 50, Man City 49, Arsenal back into comfortable fourth at 47 <laughs> points, and now Liverpool dropping out of the top four for their first time in a while. 46 points, United beating up on Leicester today at 45 points. So it is going to be an interesting race, obviously, for top four, bottom six, but as long as Chelsea keep taking care of the business, we are sitting pretty. So until next time, Chelsea fans, until midweek, keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.